Hello and welcome to Advocate, a podcast channel by ASEAN Parliamentarians for Human Rights, or APHR. On this channel, we're delving into some of the most important human rights and democracy issues affecting Southeast Asia. Earlier series have focused on the threats and harassments faced by opposition MPs in the region, as well as the response of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, to the crisis affecting the Rohingya in Myanmar's Rakhine state. Our previous series, Anatomy of a Coup, took a detailed look at the major actors in the political turmoil currently taking place in Myanmar. And more than a year after the coup took place, sadly many of the concerns raised in that series remain unresolved. Please visit our website, ASEANMP.org, for updates on the Myanmar situation and APHR's continued efforts to address the crisis. Welcome to our fourth series, where we shift focus from Myanmar to look more closely at regional issues in a series we're calling Celebrating Progress. Human rights advocates know all too well just how challenging rights work can be, here in Southeast Asia and globally. In addition to a host of rights-abusing actors targeting those expressing dissent, rights defenders often face what can sometimes feel like a constant losing battle. Advocacy often begins with the odds stacked against them, with governments undemocratically introducing oppressive laws and policies, or pushing aside or even watering down legislation that is progressive. Yet look closely, and positive changes are occurring in the human rights sphere, including in Southeast Asia. In this series, we'll shed light on those successes, and speak to some of those who've been working to advance human rights across the region. For episode three of this series, we're travelling to Vietnam to look at progress on the issue of marriage equality, and what the campaign there might mean for efforts elsewhere in the region. of people streamed through the streets of Hanoi on Saturday in Vietnam's first ever gay pride parade. The march comes as the Vietnamese government considers allowing same-sex marriages. In August 2012, the first ever Viet Pride took place in Hanoi, the Vietnamese capital, with roughly 100 participants riding through the city, holding aloft the rainbow flag and a colourful array of balloons. The event was a sign of increased acceptance of the LGBTIQ plus people in the country, a decade after state-run media had declared homosexuality a social evil. Around the time of the first Viet Pride event, the Vietnamese government began a consultation over whether it would allow same-sex marriage. In 2013, its Ministry of Justice submitted a bill that would allow same-sex marriage and grant some limited rights to same-sex couples. The National Assembly voted in favour of the law in 2014, and in the following January, the Law on Marriage and Family 2014 came into effect, paving the way for gay marriage. There is a major flaw in the law, however. Although it allows same-sex weddings, such couples are not recognised or protected under the law. To better understand the issue and what it might mean for marriage equality across Southeast Asia, APHR spoke with Hui Luong, director of the IC Institute in Vietnam, which works for the rights of minority groups, specifically ethnic minority and on LGBTIQ plus rights. He started by explaining the background to the law change and his organisation's involvement in the process. So in 2012, the Ministry of Justice were assigned to revise the law. And at that time, we know about this process. So we started to talk with the Ministry of Justice and especially when we knew that 
the Ministry of Justice want to discuss something about the same-sex cohabitation, uh, especially on the consequences of uh, the cohabitation of the same-sex couples. So in 2014, uh, when the law was passed, is uh, ultimately it removed the ban of same-sex marriage. But I will correct the misconception that I read on many international coverage on about this news is we did not decriminalize same-sex marriage because we never criminalize it. The thing is, there's a sentence in uh, the, the law on marriage and family saying that same-sex marriage is banned by the law. So in this new law, in uh, we, we remove that sentence, but we replace it with another sentence saying that same-sex marriage is not recognized by the law. So it's the change of the language, but also the lawmaker is saying that uh, this is not about the language, but also the, the development in the, in the attitude of the lawmakers towards same-sex marriage. Because if you ban something, it means that this is harmful for the society. But right in the law on marriage and family, the law do not ban same-sex marriage anymore. But however, technically, uh, same-sex marriage is not legalized in Vietnam. In short, he explained... Same-sex marriage in Vietnam is not illegal, but nor is it legal. The law change was far from perfect, but according to Hui Luong, it's had some positive effects in the community, notably when it comes to attitudes towards LGBTIQ plus people. So, you know, when the law took effect in 2015, on, on the first day of 2015, uh, we as the activists in Vietnam, we thought that it, it was not impactful enough to change um, the, the general situation of the LGBTI community here. But however, what was surprising is actually that this, the social has changed its attitude so much about the images of the two people uh, living together as a same-sex couple. So in 2015 and then in the following years, 16, 17, we have observed a lot of weddings of same-sex couples. And some of them are celebrities or uh, very well-known, uh, famous people, or even very ordinary people. So when these couples and their weddings came to the news coverage. It makes the discussion about the sense of marriage again is very lively and, and the people start getting use of uh, the images of these couples. And I think that is, we think that the change of the law, uh, although that is not technically uh, change um, anything, but however, it changed the way the society think about the LGBTI community. So since then, uh, I think it's a good start for uh, discussing about the other uh, human rights issue of the LGBTI uh, community here. For example, in the next year of, uh, of, of the law in 2015, we started to advocating for um, the rights of transgender. And ultimately we were successful for uh, changing the civil code to allow the transgender to change their identification. He's referring to the ruling in 2015 updated the civil code to remove the prohibition in law that prevented transgender people from changing their legal gender. He said he believed that one of the main reasons that the law was changed was momentum built by the movement, particularly as LGBTIQ plus people became more vocal in demanding their rights.
I think before 2030, our organization, uh, along with the other organizations also working for LGBTI rights, we focused on the public advocacy and raising the awareness and trying to talk about uh, stigma and discrimination. We did not think that this is uh, the good time to talk about the legal advocacy because we think that the Vietnamese society are still not very open to talk about this issue. However, when the Ministry of Justice, uh, when they decided to talk about this issue, we think that, oh, it's, it came sooner than we would think. And uh, one of the reasons why the Ministry of Justice in Vietnam decided to discuss about sunset marriage, it actually come from the community. That a lot of couples who are living for a very long time and when they broke up, uh, they came to the court and they asked the court to uh, solve the problem of uh, properties and children. And because of the court, when they look at the law, uh, the law did not say anything about uh, the issue. So the court has requested uh, the Ministry of Justice to revise the law, uh, how to resolve this problem. So it it's a lesson from, for us that, you know, if we don't talk about our issue, it will be a non-issue. And only if we start to talk about the legal problems and uh, the, the legal issue of, uh, of the LGBTI rights. So it will become a problem for the government and they will start to discuss about that. Another important aspect of the campaign's success, he said, was a deep level of research into public attitudes towards same-sex marriage, as well as the use of careful and yet creative language when it came to launching the campaign. So in 2013, when we were advocating for the law on marriage and family, uh, we did a research on the social attitudes towards same-sex marriage. And in this research, we found that there is one-third of the Vietnamese people support for same-sex marriage. Actually, this is not majority. But when we dive deeper into uh, the questionnaire, when we're asking about the equality or the right to be respected, or do you think that this is a necessary to recognize the rights of the same-sex couples when they're living together as a couples or not? So we found that the number is much higher. So the change of the law in marriage, the support is not majority, but however, the, the general support for LGBTI people quite high in Vietnamese society. Of course, that this is just in the very specific research, but however, it has guided us to uh, design the campaign of same-sex marriage uh, in 2013. So we started a campaign called I Do. In Vietnamese, it is, means I agree. So when somebody uh, proposes you and you say, I do, it mean, also means that I agree. So we think that because Vietnamese people are very much respect the traditional values, so we're trying to use the language of these traditional values to talk about same-sex merits. For example, we talk about love. And uh, we, we use a very common slogan that being used in for, for marriage equality uh, movement in other countries. Love is love. And when we talk about love, we also talk about the right to be loved, the right to found a family, a right to uh, respect it as an individual. So these messagings 
are not specific for LGBTI people or same-sex couples, but actually it's relatable for a lot of people, even straight people, because a lot of straight people uh, cannot live, live as they want because of the, uh, the expectation from their families. And in, in this campaign, we invited the, the diverse group of people from, come from different minority groups, uh, people with disability, the senior people, uh, celebrities, and to join the campaign. So I think that it makes the campaign uh, uh, really friendly, even for children or uh, older people, and that the people can join it very easily by just saying that uh, they support for love. So I think this is a very common tactic for the other campaigns uh, of marriage equality in other countries. And I think it still works really well, especially in the context of Asian countries like in Vietnam. Like the interviewees in the first two episodes in this series on decriminalisation efforts, as well as accountability on the climate crisis, Kui Luang said he believed that legal change, while small, could help pave the way for a change in public sentiment towards marriage equality in Vietnam. I think that the change of the law on marriage and family in Vietnam is just a baby steps towards the full marriage equality rights. Because I think that when you ask people that do you think that LGBTI people deserve the equal rights as everyone, so the people are very easy, easy to say that, yes, I support for them because they just see in our society. But when we ask a specific especially when it comes to the law, that you think that is it needed to change the law to allow the same-sex couples to have the equal rights of the opposite-sex couples. A lot of people will uh, start being skeptical and uh, not very supportive when they respond to that question. So I think that, uh, but however, the achievement and the milestone that we have very important for the next step. And actually, we have planned to have the, the next version of the campaign in, in next year, in 2022. So because this was seven or eight years already, and in the next two or three or four years, the Ministry of Justice will start to revise the law again. So I think that we have more time to prepare this time. So, you know, like in 2013, we only have one year before it was passed. But however, for now, we, not, we know that what is the next time of the vision of the law? And what did we, what, what make us success in the last time? And what is missing? So we have more time now. So we, we started to call on the participation of the other sectors in, in the society, especially from the business sector. Because especially in the crisis time and the reopening of the post-pandemic, corporation and businesses are a very important part of the society to recover the normal life of the people. So we, we call businesses to join the campaigns. So we think that if a different sector in the society also raise their voice and talk about the, the marriage equality, it will make our next effort of the marriage equality campaign will be more impactful and effective. So we're looking forward for uh, doing this campaign in the next two years. And we hope that uh, in this time, I don't have very high expectation taking into uh, taking into consideration about the, the raising nationalism and uh, protectivism of uh, the legal system right now across uh, the world. But however, I think that uh, 
this time, the Vietnamese people can have the opportunity to, to discuss about this issue again. And I totally hope that we will have more people, more supporters, uh, because we have the young generation, the Gen Z, as they are very open and uh, talk about the uh, uh, feminism and equal, equality rights. So I hope that we will have the new generation of supporters. He also believes that unity among groups working on the issue in different Southeast Asian countries was also important in building momentum to bring about more progressive laws and policies. I'm not sure about the other countries, but however, the Vimy's government really care about what the other country, especially in Southeast Asia and Asia, did about marriage equality. We usually face the same question from the lawmakers that if we, if we make Vietnam the first country in Asia, not the first anymore, but you know, like the first country in uh, in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage. So is this a safe choice? Of course that we're doing law for our people, not because of the, the pressure from the other countries. But however, if the other countries, if the government start talk about marriage equality, if we give the government one more reason to, to taking step forward. So until now, there's some prefectures in Japan and there's some plan in Thailand on about same-sex marriage. But however, I think that the countries, especially the civil society organization, uh, we should working together because it will make a movement broader across the, the region, not only in, uh, in one country. So I think that it will be also helpful for the advocacy uh, process in one country as well. Around the time this interview was taking place, some momentum was building regarding marriage equality and the rights of LGBTIQ plus people in Thailand. In early February, a marriage equality bill proposed by the opposition Move Forward Party was voted in by Parliament in its first reading. It wasn't all plain sailing, however. The Cabinet halted the bill's progress by invoking a mandatory 60-day study period during which the government says it will assess the bill. The tactic was viewed by some, not unjustifiably, as a delay tactic. But as progressive issues are put at the forefront in Thailand, amid the country's widespread pro-democracy movement, it seems likely that momentum around this issue will only continue. A few days after the bill was raised in Parliament, APHR spoke with Matcha Fornin, the founder and executive director of Sangsan Anakan Yawachon Development Project, about the situation related to marriage equality in Thailand and what lessons can be learned from the efforts in other countries, including Vietnam. First of all, uh, being LGBTIQ in Thailand, we have no regulation that means to protect us from discrimination. Therefore, uh, students at the school who are LGBTIQ still face bullying and there are no protected uh, mechanisms to protect them. On the other hand, being transgender in Thailand, we are hardly to access to job opportunities, unable to access to free hormone that need to provide by the government and also um, the law that allow them to defining their gender marker is still not yet reached to the point that they are on themselves and also gender that they belonging to. Second is about being a lesbian couple and when law is not protected at, we are facing a lot of discrimination, included head crime. Six years ago, I faced head crime. There are the local people came to burn around my house six times in 10 days. Uh, the traumatized still exist in my experience, but made me stand to fighting to end head crime. 
um, because we are unaccepted with the society. Macha said that she and many members of Thailand's LGBTIQ plus community welcomed the discussion of the marriage equality bill in Parliament and hoped it would be a step towards the country legalizing same-sex marriage. The discussion in the Parliament, actually, um, all of my uh, community, we are look at that day. We are there at that day. We are grateful that we heard our Parliament giving the positive support to LGBTIQ community as well as they pushing forward legislation for made marriage equality possible. There was one uh, members who against uh, marriage equality and he giving the reason based on his religions, he told. Uh, however, the other, all of them just saying directly that we are support LGBTIQ are uh, People, you need to be uh, protected by law and easily changing restriction from only men and women to accept to marriage. To be any individual can be accepted to marriage. So I think we are grateful in that way. However, there is some games ongoing in the parliament. They're just holding the decision to another 60 days. The listener may have witnessed a pattern throughout this series that many of the progressive issues being pushed in countries across Southeast Asia are being driven primarily by one group, young people. Discussions around marriage equality in Thailand are no different, Matcha said. I think uh, what is led the change uh, toward marriage equality is about the young people's led movement. A lot of young people who are stand in front of the democracy movement are women and also LGBTIQ, included uh, other marginalized community, for example, indigenous people, migrant workers, um, the women who experience of, um, abortion, you know, we are stand in front of um, the, the democracy movement and uh, everyone just support the human rights issues, uh, especially marriage equality is crucial because they found that there is nothing to lose when we are advancing human rights, why LGBTIQ is still unable to protect it by law. So the young people stand really strong. Uh, however, as you see, um, the people who are controlling the power and who make decisions based on our life and our safety, they still play the game. They are not yet made decision, And also we not trust that if they don't use the, the comprehensive approach, not really take the uh, human right standard. The other changes from the movement is the social media as well. So the young people use a lot of social media to support marriage equality, they're talking about that. And again, like other countries, Macha said lessons have been learned from campaigns for marriage equality in Southeast Asia and further afield. Also included Vietnam and Thailand as well. We have learned a lot from Taiwan who already successfully in pushing this way forward. I think something that we learned from Taiwan and also within our region, one is that uh, when we are at one, the democracy, human right is mean for the people. So Taiwan have a really strong core value of human right. And also, um, therefore, they could achieve marriage equality. And that's why Thailand movement is also interested that how we can also at the same time advancing marriage equality and also advancing uh, democracy. Because we knowing that without democracy, there is no human right. But with our married equality, the human right is not mean for all.
episode of Celebrating Progress was written and produced by me, Oliver Slope, with editorial input from Storm Tiv and Elise T.A. Degusset. APHR's work is supported by the Swedish International Development Cooperation Agency, or CEDA, the Open Societies Foundation, and the Hans Seidel Foundation. This series is part of APHR's podcast channel, Advocate, which addresses some of the most important human rights developments in Southeast Asia. Please listen, share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Future episodes of this podcast series will be available in the coming weeks. And for more information about APHR's work, please visit our website, asianmp.org. Thanks for listening.